Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Book Dive Podcast, where we explore the love of books and reading. Now, the Book Dive Podcast is a collaboration between CHCCS librarians. And today, I have the pleasure of interviewing and sitting down and discussing a good conversation about books was Tracy Bell. Now, Tracy has worked in education in the librarian profession for close to 30 years now. And she has worked on so many different levels as a librarian on the collegiate level, public school children's librarian, and school library media specialist. She does everything that she does, she's pretty much passionate about. And national boards, if for those who are educators, you're familiar with the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards. She has written assessments and she works there on her spare time during the summer. But not only that, she is also a virtual instructor in her spare time. And I think one of my favorite parts of her professional bio is that she is a member with her husband it's a husband and wife team of Two Bells Storytellers. So Tracy, welcome. Thank you so much, Tacoma. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. It's my oh, pleasure. Not, oh, not a problem. You know, Tracy, you and I have worked together for about, I think it's about four years now. Yes. And the pleasure that I've had sitting in, in some meetings with you as a colleague, I've noticed that you're very passionate about acquiring books that reflect students of color in school libraries. Let me ask you, what would you say is your best process to ensure that diverse books are getting into students' hands? Well, I like to listen and learn from others, you know, in the field. So I have always um, made it a habit to make sure that I'm going to conferences um, and listening to my colleagues around the state and around the nation. Um, I used to really read book reviews uh, back when time was not as crunched as it was, but I think that that's something that should um, be revisited. Um, like from school library journal book list. I actually used to write um, book reviews for school library journal. So I leaned on um, reviews pretty heavily, but now you can get, re you know, reviews from, you know, pretty much everywhere that you can buy books. But I, do, I like to sit in my professional learning communities, learning from my colleagues. We would, in the elementary realm, we would have a time where we would bring in books that we uh, heard about, or books that we just ordered, um, so I'm listening and learning from folks around me, um, social media. I'm learning from um, the folks that I follow and that follow me on Twitter. Um, I hang out there a lot trying to learn um, that way as well. So really just listening and learning from my colleagues that are around the world because you can you know, you're connecting with folks everywhere and also, you know, also a little bit through LinkedIn as well, but mostly through um, social media platform that I use the most is Twitter so right because you know the old way or the former way still most reliable way for librarians to look at different reviews was through by journals yes. and now because it's like you said time is tight and we're crunched to do a lot of different things in our jobs it's good to go through various different outlets and gather information and 
because sometimes we discover great books that's not always featured in certain magazines or haven't been featured yet. So that's great. So are there any diverse book titles that you would like to recommend to readers or that you've received feedback from your students that they just absolutely love? Well, I want to just go back to some of my old favorites. Um, A couple of years ago, I had the pleasure of um, doing a um, presentation with uh, a college professor who's a friend of mine, Dr. Lusua, and then another uh, friend of mine, um, Alice Emba, she's um, in Wake County. And what we did was we we wanted to feature uh, books primarily uh, about uh, featuring characters of color written by um, actually folks that were in that particular um, culture. So so books about African-Americans written by African-Americans, that sort of thing. But we all, you know, we, we looked at other cultures as well. So some of my favorites are some of my old, you know, stuff that was from when I was an early librarian. So I love Eleanor Tate, I'm not sure um, if you've heard of Eleanor Tate, she is local now, but I remember when she first came to North Carolina in the 90s and my daughter was in elementary school and she left an indelible mark on my daughter's life in terms of um, introducing her to the book that she had written. Thank you, Dr. Martin Luther King. And, um, and so I tend to lean on some of those folks and then own up to new people that are in the area, like local folks like um, uh, K- Kelly Stalin Lyons, um, she just did going down home with daddy. Um, she's written a bunch of other things as well, but I like anything by Kelly Stalin Lyons. And I like the way she tries to wrap her arms around, um, folks in the field and she know nothing is a secret for her because she wants everybody to grow and learn. She is one of the founders of the Brown Bookshelf. Brown Bookshelf is just African-American authors. Um, but I do like, um, um, also like uh, Carol Boston Weatherford. Mm-hmm. Um, she usually writes in a poetic kind of feel, um, but she, she features the lives of famous or, or not so famous African-Americans. Like one of my favorites um, is a book she did by, about Fannie Lou Hamer. And then I love Becoming Billie Holiday. Um, I love anything that she's actually written. I remember the bridge, um, but I would say and she's pretty prolific still. But one of the things that Carol said was, um, and I, I feel like I can call her Carol, and I feel like if she sees me, she might, she would probably remember me. But um, is that, you know, our books don't stay in publication as long. And so that's something that we have to, as librarians, wrap our arms around these um, African-American authors and illustrators and buy their books and make sure that they don't get forgotten. Um, I love uh, Sharon Draper. Um, mm, one of the yeah. books that to teach um, the middle passages, I think, would be Copper Sun. It's a great story, um, and it's a great way to introduce even to middle school and even high school. Um, but I did have it in my elementary library as well. So, uh, yeah, it's go good that now. you mentioned that. There are two that you mentioned. I'm not familiar with Eleanor Tate, so I'm really going to have to look up her and research her and some of her books. But Carol Boston Weatherford... I am familiar with because she teaches at the university that I graduated from undergrad mm-hmm. and then Sharon Draper, you know, Sharon Draper, one of her books forged by fire. 
yes. is a book. It doesn't matter elementary to high school. Anytime a student of color will come to me and tell me that they don't like to read, I challenge them to read the first two pages, just the first two pages right. of that book. And I say, if you come back to me, you tell me that you didn't like that or that book didn't draw you in, those two pages didn't draw you in, then you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe I got to go back to the drawing board. But every time I have challenged a student of color to read just the first two pages, and I said, that's not much because the first chapter in certain books is like half a page. Right. Just read the first two. And they always come back and say, I finished the first chapter last night. And to me, that is so profound because I will always tell my students, it's not that you don't like to read. It's probably because you haven't found a book that intrigues you, that draws you in, that makes you use your imagination. And it's just because that book hasn't found you. So now you got to go out there and find it. I love that. That's true. And I, there's another book. I don't know if you've ever read this one, but this book I still have. And I try to find it. Um, I don't have it in my current library right now, but I've always purchased it in other libraries I've worked in, and it's called The Friends by Rosa Guy. Uh-huh. And I'm have you read that one? I don't think I've read it, but I do, I do know Rosa Guy. Okay. So I think this one was almost like a series. It was a two-part or maybe three parts, but the first one I've read, and this book was given to me by a friend when I was in the eighth grade. And my friend did not like to read books. She didn't like reading for school. And that was okay. Because reading, I get it. It's not everybody's strong suit. But I didn't even pick up that book at that time because there was a lot of stuff that was happening in my life in middle school too. So I was like, it'll just stay on my bookshelf. And one day, I think I was in college. And I picked that book up. And I read it. And it made me reconnect my love of reading that I used to have as a kid. And it's just an awesome book. So if you guys ever get a chance, and Tracy, if you ever get a chance to check out The Friends by Rosa Guy, it is an awesome book. It will have you laughing. It would have you in tears. It, you'll feel all the emotions pretty much, but it's a really good read. It looks like it. I mean, I'm looking it up. I'm sure that I remember this. This is, a, what's the publication date on that? No. I think it was in the 70s. I can't remember... Yeah. Yeah. But I remember it was yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. So you would think that it was a book, you know, and a lot of students, they think, a lot of kids think, oh, well, because this book was written decades ago, it can't possibly apply to me. That particular story, it can still apply to, to today. Absolutely. I'm looking at, yeah, yeah. Okay. So now, you know, you, I, I talked about this in your intro that you've been in education and a librarian going on 30 years. That is phenomenal. Can you tell us what you've learned about yourself? If there's some blind spots or times you've said to yourself, hey, you know what? I could get better at this. I think that um, it's, it's really hard to sum it up in like this, this conversation, but I'll say that um, just at the end of the day, always being true to who you are and always knowing what your focus is has been something that I try to keep at the forefront and and blind spots happen when your you know your vision is kind of impaired and something is happening to that the, the optic nerve I mean if you're talking in a literal sense 
And so to get that into the figurative is when something is in your way and sometimes, and you're allowing it to obstruct who you are or what your mission is. And sometimes I had to, um, I had to get back to that because when I was a um, librarian for almost, it was like 10 years at a high school, I really got pulled away as a technology facilitator. Now it, it, um, it caused me to seek out another master's degree. So I got another master's degree and I got a whole nother set of skills. But in some ways I lost who I was as a librarian because I was really, the t I was a technology facilitator. And so I didn't get to read anymore or read as much as I was reading mostly technical things uh, or mostly, um, you know, making sure that I was up on whatever I needed to do for digital teaching and learning. So it, it, it took away from who I was as a librarian. And also I got a heavier into advocacy work because I did see how librarians didn't have leverage unless they had that technology piece tied to them, at least in the school system I was in before. So I started immersing myself into that and I almost lost who I was. So literally when I came to Chapel Hill, I really just needed to breathe because I was doing two jobs as, at, you know, as a tech facilitator librarian and then still had my other things going on because I think as, a, as an African-American librarian or African-American educator or African-American woman, you got to have more, you got to have a little bit more balls in the air in terms of like doing, juggling a couple of things just so you can stay relevant. So I would say, um, you know, maybe honing in on what is your passion and, and staying and staying with it, you know, um, would help you to avoid some of the blind spots and knowing what your mission is. So when I saw that I was being swallowed up by the other thing, technology, I did take a breather and I, and I might've lingered too long. You know, I might've should have taken a breather before, mm -hmm. um, before that, but just lingering in the wrong thing. Is that, does that answer your question? It does. It does. And you spoke to so many different things because you're right. Everything that you said is true is right. Um, I came from a school district as well, where I was both, I was a technology person. I was the librarian and you had to be on the forefront of your technology to feel like you you were relevant um, and that you were an essential employee. And that's some things that a lot of people don't know about school librarians, um, some of the issues and things that they have to face, even as educators, just in the education profession period. So thank you um, for sharing those um, thoughts. And I see that your passion um, runs deep, especially what, what we were just talking about with diverse books. Um, and I hope that you really do continue that passion because unfortunately Tracy is leaving our school district, but that's okay because <laughs> I can still connect with her at yeah. all times. But um, Tracy, I don't know if you know about this. We were just talking about diverse books and, and going back to your passion. And I know diverse books is really one of your main passions, but let me share this website with you. And you might've heard about it already because you're more on the forefront of this than I am because you really inspired me. I would just do it. I would just get books on diversity or things that would speak to our students or population, but you really hone in and speak on it. It's called weneeddiversebooks.org. Mm -hmm. You've heard of that? Yeah. So for those that don't know about weneeddiversebooks.org, it is a nonprofit organization 
and it focuses on children book lovers that advocates essential essential changes in the publishing industry to produce and promote literature that reflects and honors the lives of all young people and what i really appreciated about them is right now they have set up an emergency fund for diverse creatives in the children's publishing industry so they are providing emergency grants to diverse authors, illustrators, publishing professionals who are experiencing dire financial need right now. So if you're interested in learning more about this particular organization, I know Tracy, like I said, Tracy's on the forefront. She knows about it, but I did come across this because I was really excited about our conversation on diverse books and I came across this website. So please, this is great for parents, for educators, for librarians, please check out weneeddiversebooks.org. This, they did not sponsor this podcast, but I just want to share that information with you all. Now, yeah. Tracy, we're going to talk about another one of your passions. This I did not know about you. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know about this with you. And it's about two Bell's storytellers. So I must say I was intrigued when I came across this. What inspired you and your husband to start your own storytelling production? Well, we um, were in a children's ministry at, a, at, at our church, and um, my husband's pretty uh, talented artist, and um, and he would combine his like passion for art and then just his gift for um, bringing anything to life to uh, spark the imagination for the students. So we would have to share Bible stories with them or give them lessons. And we always brought it in an animated way. And then I became a school librarian and I was doing stories um, as well. And so we were like, you know, and then I was inviting storytellers in and we were, we were like, well, you know, we could do this. And so we um, applied for a grant. Um, it was a touring artist grant through the state of North Carolina, and we actually got it. And that launched us. We started in 1999, but that grant that we got, I think it was, I don't know, 2003, maybe 2000, around the, maybe a little bit before that. But um, it caused us to travel uh, all over North Carolina um, with um, something that we call it. It's all in the book. And... Um, we have been on national stages. We um, was uh, we we did um, the national folk festivals, and we've also we're also part of the National Association of Black Storytellers, and we were featured on that stage. Um, we back up from it because of my schedule, and then my husband's schedule is ramping up too. Um, and so we, we, we have, we have said that we have to get back into, it. we're still part of those organizations, you know, we're part of the national, also part of the North Carolina Association of Black Storytellers. And we learn from them too. We learn so much from them, but that's how we kind of got through the church. We started doing puppetry. We did, um, just stories for the students. And then we thought, you know, we could actually do this and travel around and, um, you know, share our love for stories and get paid too. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's really fun but we haven't like we I you know we have a website but we haven't I haven't changed it lately because we have we've we've either turned down things or some things we just haven't had time to travel with our organization to do so um we try to show up whenever we can so 
Okay, great. That's good to know that you guys are going to pick it back up because I was just about to say, don't drop that. That's oh no, we won't. We we're, we're still into it, but we just have to. We just have to. Um, we just have to get back into it. like the person that I mentioned earlier, Eleanor Tate. She is part of our North Carolina Association of, of Black Storytellers, and so um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Willa Brigham or either uh, Donna Washington. Um, Donna Washington is more national, so is Willa Brigham, but they're all part of our um, association and we learn from them as, as well. Okay, wow, that's phenomenal. Again, Tracy, you are all about doing things that you're passionate about. That is great, because that's how you keep the love for what you do alive. So tell me, what is one thing about your storytelling program that you didn't expect? I know you said you got a grant, you've been on national, you've been nationwide, but is there anything about your storytelling program that you didn't expect? Um, the, well, I, my husband's in the background. So the, the thing, Kevin's in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I think that the, the way we touch so many lives have made us realize that we have a gift from God and that we're kind of called to this. Um, together because we combine like he does the, some drawing and then we sing because we've we've always sang in churches together so um, we throw in music and we know that whenever we you know whenever the Lord allows us to hit a stage um, people are pretty pretty taken but we know that it's not us that so we know that it's, it's, it's him but the um, and, and I've mentioned this to you before about you know making sure that you let people stand on your shoulders and be able to see a little bit further. We realize that the stories are what's going to keep our um, our our culture alive. The oral tradition is something that's very important, and we have to pass it on to the next generation. Our daughter used to be our sound girl, so she was forced to actually travel with us. <laughs> she would have to, because I mean, it has gone from like having like. Uh, boom box to maybe you know somebody <laughs> having real handlers actually handling us but she was our handler before mm -hmm. and so she could tell you the stories back and forth and it was important for us for her to get those traditional stories and the lessons that we learned because when I mean, we had to educate people that you know uh, Joe Chandler Harris is not the person who created Rare Rabbit Tales I mean he actually listened to slaves tell those stories so those weren't his stories you mm -hmm. know so, I mean, we had people walking up. I mean, you, you said that these stories came from, from, from Africa, so, or, you know, Central Africa. You know, how can you say that when Joel Chandler Harrison was like, no, you need to keep on reading so you know <laughs> that he actually got those stories from somebody else. <laughs> so, so, so that, you know, so he, and he even admitted it. So, um, <laughs> uh, but it's important for us to pass those stories down. And so we're always listening and trying to find those stories that, um, that can speak to a generation right. and we know that that's what we called to do we went to the national and we were that was our first time at the national and it, which was totally unheard of for somebody to have their first trip national to be selected to tell um it was emotional to see all of our brothers and sisters who were holding hands and we were talking about how we have to keep this alive and there were so many ages i mean probably folks in their 90s um, for some reason, they thought me and Kevin was younger than we were, but we, we always just kind of keep it under our hats. We like, we old too. <laughs> but, All right, was, you are there talking about black, don't crack. Go ahead. <laughs> right. 
Right. Well, we had such a good time, and then we you you the the, the heaviness of knowing that you do that that you are called to this and you can't let it go. So. Hmm. Right. So, for those out there who might be inspired by your story, you and your husband's story, do you have any best tips or practices as far as what is the making of a great storyteller? Well, you just have to, um, you have to become the story. Mm. Um, I used to listen when I was in library school to Augusta Baker, uh, my professor, Dr. Paula Bracy would talk about Augusta Baker. I had never really met her, but um, she would say not have on jewelry and not distract from the story, you know, and I do think those things are important, but um, what is important is to get to know the story and make that story your own. Mm-hmm. My husband and I do something that's kind of unique. We do tandem telling so that mm-hmm. if one person forgets their line, sometimes it throws the other person off. But now we're in, we've, we've been doing it for a while. And so we pretty much know how to pick up if the person um, maybe forgets the line. But you can't tell the story the same. You'll never tell the story the same. I mean, you, you, it, you're going to throw in a nuance or something. But really, if, you, if you're trying to get to know a story from a book, you really have to get to know that book and that you have to become that story and you have to see those characters. And my husband has a gift for that, where if he's going to be a frog, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's getting to know that what would, what would the frog do? How would the frog act? And, 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 and pretty much when you're looking at him, you think he's the frog because that's, <laughs> I mean, that's how, and I'm the straight girl. Cause I generally memorize a lot of the lines. I mm-hmm. remember memorize a lot of those lines because I don't do a whole lot of characterizations like that. I'm not as good as that part. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I would say you have to, you have, it has to be something that you, you know, that you, you're passionate about telling and something that you can, um, you know, you have to become it. You have to, um, see it and and and, and um I, I i do all kinds of methods now i'm not gonna go into that but. <laughs> <laughs> but you know like your husband he he studies the frog he becomes the frog he is the frog yep <laughs> <laughs> okay great and tell me what are some i know you talked about brer rabbit but what are some of your favorite stories that you share with your audiences we do we used to start out with the Nazi tales and we would do different kinds of Nazi tales because he's a trickster and kevin would do mime and he would be a be the spider Mm -hmm. but one of our favorites is um the story of the three kingdoms by walter dean myers illustrated Mm -hmm. by ashley bryan and Mm -hmm. so it's the opportunity for us to introduce the late great walter dean myers to people and you know walter dean myers as a YA. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, author but he also wrote the story of the three kingdoms which is probably not in publication anymore and I'd actually broached HarperCollins about turning that into you know oh well I just kind of wrote them a letter and they wanted to know like what are you thinking about but you know we you know from his estate we we talked to them about when we tell the story you know getting permission to actually tell the story but that is one of our favorites because it talks about how we should never forget to um, to tell stories that we have to join together as a community of of learners and find out solutions to problems and not think that we're better than anybody else, but that we can grow 
and learn from from one another because at the end at the end of the story that's what that's what we it, it kind of culminates don't ever forget about sitting together around the fire and sharing stories and gaining wisdom from that because that we know like in those stories you will find wisdom and within that wisdom the nugget of wisdom that's where we get our strength from mm -hmm. and it's a very serious thing in this in, in this time that we're in um it's very serious to know that everybody has the part to play it's the scripture in the bible that says every joint has to supply like every if we look at us as a body like everybody has a part to play and um and pretty much if your toe is hurting your whole body's gonna hurt <laughs> so, right right i mean you know like if your tooth is hurting this is a very small part of you but it's gonna be a problem for your whole body and so how can you get a solution from everybody uh you know who is that person that has that wisdom and so yeah that's one of our favorites and my husband becomes um I'm so I'm, I'm telling most of that story, but he is he is all those animals in that story. So it's pretty difficult. It's not the easiest thing to right. do. But he, it fascinates people every time we tell it, though. Right. I love the fact that you you're keeping the the tradition of storytelling alive because so many cultures that's how they recognize and hold on to the culture and some of the traditions that they have is by telling the stories of the history, the culture, and you're keeping that alive even to this day. And that's why, believe it or not, audience, I tell you, I went up to Tracy, I think it was last year or year before, and I said, Tracy, I want you to be my mentor. I don't know what it was about her, but I was <laughs> here in meetings. I said, I need you to be my mentor because I started to lose my passion for what I was doing. And, um, and you do become blind by that. Mm -hmm. So in, in relevance to that, Tracy, I just want to ask you what you shared some, but what is one of your best tips for librarians working during this pandemic? School is about to start back up and a lot of us are going to be working on different levels of uh, different ways that we never thought that we would. Is there a tip or a goal, negative wisdom that you would like to share with librarians that are working during this time? Well, one of the things that I say, and I got this from an old pastor, you cannot come back from where you haven't been. And so you cannot give fresh water to somebody if you haven't, if you haven't drank any water yourself. And so you have got to take care of yourself. And I know this by, because I've done it while I wasn't taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. And you can't give the best you mm -hmm. unless you have self-care. And that's very, very important. You have to turn into uh, uh, turn into yourself in terms of like the spiritual aspects, your exercise, and so that you can be fresh for your learning community. So I would say that's the first thing to make sure that you do have that aspect. And, and you know, some people call it a spiritual aspect, but it is that, and it's also making sure that you take care of yourself because you can't come back. You can't all of a sudden be this thing for your learning community if you don't have your it's not going to be genuine. It's not going to last. I right. would say, I would say continue to read, like continue to, um, I know it sometimes we get inundated because there's so much out there, but continue to read and continue to share, you know, information as the librarians lean on each other. Um, sometimes in it, within this, your voice can seem like it's getting smaller, but don't, don't be afraid to continue to push your voice out there. Mm -hmm. Like, because they're going to try to change what librarians look like because 
they you know it's a whole different thing now but don't let them <laughs> because right. you are the you, you are the librarian and you continue to say that i am that part i am not the icing on the cake i am part of the cake and right. i am part of because that that's an analogy that i always use and i know it, it, it could be corny but some people think that we're not as a librarian essential um, and you have to know that you are not just the icing because icing can be skimmed off or right. another flavor, another flavor. No, you are in the main ingredient and they need those information literacy skills and they need to hear you. And no matter how uncomfortable it feels, because it's going to be, get used to being uncomfortable because it always happens. You, you, you're not comfortable, you know, and then after a while when you just, you know, and when you get tired of fighting for one day, go and refit, you know, go and refit yourself. But I would say, and be your unique self. Like it's so many, um, like going to conferences, you see somebody bringing in somebody from the Midwest or somebody and they, and then you all of a sudden you have everybody trying to be like whoever. So <laughs> you can only be like yourself. And you only can, you can only do, you can only do you right. um, for your learning community. Um, and be your unique self and don't be ashamed of who your unique self is. But I would say still like lean on the, the research. I, I still go to ALA, AAS, AASL, NC Slammer, um, relying on just again, my PLC, mm -hmm. but, um, and, and, and leaning on each other, I think is going to be important. So I know I said a whole lot, but no, no, you, you touched on a lot of points. <laughs> no, exactly. You touched on a lot of points. And I think our educators, um, and our, especially our librarians, we need that because I, I always live by the philosophy. I believe it was Ayala Van Zant who did a, had a discussion with Oprah Winfrey one time and she talked about the cup mm -hmm. and when your cup is running low, uh -huh. you have nothing in your cup to give. You're exhausted. You've exhausted yourself. But when you don't get what's in my cup, you're going to get what's overflowing. So people will get what's overflowing from my cup, but what's in the cup is for me. So people always kind of push aside. And I think sometimes we hear our colleagues who don't take care of themselves, don't nourish themselves, and then they're exasperated and they're burnt out. And that's just on a regular school year. And then you add on the pandemic and how are we going to stay relevant? And then, of course, other people are already talking about how libraries are not being relevant or they're not going to be relevant. They, we we always will be relevant because no matter what, if you're true to yourself and you find innovative ways to to make yourself or to make that space the heart of the school, they can't yes. do without that. And and the space is not going to run as effectively as the people who were trained and have a passion for what they do. So just please keep that in mind. And that was so many beautiful pearls of wisdom so thank you for sharing that and now i'm going to ask you a couple of well one good rapid fire question okay uh-oh <laughs> it's not tricky <laughs> what is one of your favorite books of all time that you would encourage others to read okay i love their eyes are watching god by um Zora Neale Hurston. I don't even know why that. that <laughs> by Zora Neale Hurston. I mean, it was written back in what 1935, but uh -huh. I think that it um and it's written in dialect, but it is probably one of my favorite adult reads. Um, like, I, and I can't really, as far as a a um a juvenile fiction, I, it, it was going to be very difficult for me to really say um 
I do love Sharon Draper. I do love Carol Boston Weatherford. She's mostly nonfiction, Carol Boston Weatherford is. Um, I do love, um, again, Eleanor Tate, but that, that, I was watching God is, is a coming of age kind of story for an older person to get to know who they, they are. They will go through all these identity changes with um, all these husbands and um, that she went through. and But she had to really find out who she was and how strong she really was from the very beginning, from what was poured into her mm. as a young girl. She was able to come back and find that. And I'm fascinated by the life of Zora Neale Hurston. I have a friend um, who is actually the president of the North Carolina Association of, of Black Storytellers. Um, she she um, does a, her, her name is Beverly Burnett, and she does uh, a Zora Neale Hurston tour. And she sort of looks like Zora Neale Hurston when she puts on the hat <laughs> and she does like a stand up. And it's pretty fascinating because mm -hmm. she, she's kind of immersed herself into her. So I would, because she was so misunderstood. And I think that that's what happens to us a lot. We just get misunderstood. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, what are some best ways for people to follow you? See, I'm already connected with you. You know, that's not a problem. I don't feel like you're leaving me, um, even though you're leaving the district. But what are some best ways for people to follow you on Twitter if they want to find out more about the Two Bell Storytellers? I would say the best way is just to, to hit me on um, Twitter at one super librarian, even though I'll be moving into a, another field. Um, I'll still be at one super, super librarian because I'll always be a librarian. That's right. And um, this is what I really want to bring to my students that I'm getting ready to get to know. They're the blind and visually impaired students. I really want to introduce them to a world of literature that possibly they haven't had uh, before. Um, I really do want to cause them to fall in love with literature. Some of them may already have, know about literature, but I want to make sure that they have good books in their hands. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so that's right. But um, yeah. So that and and I, and when I use one at one super librarian for the two bells as well, but um, we have a email account. It's two bells seven at msn.com. So you could send us an email. Or I can send you this long title of our website <laughs> and, um, and, and, um, and give it to you that way. Well, I think, you know, with everybody, your websites are good, but I think if social media is so now, people are so quick to get on Twitter <laughs> nowadays, especially. So, and you can reach out to Tracy at One Super Librarian. Yep. On Twitter. And then what was your email again? It's um, two bills seven at msn.com. So T W O B E L L S and the number seven at msn.com. Okay. Now, as a lifelong learner myself, I just want to ask you is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't ask enough or I didn't know to ask enough in this discussion? I'll tell you, Scola, I think you covered it all. <laughs> This was a this was a great conversation. I I, I um, enjoy every second of it. So no, I don't. Um, I don't think you missed anything. I I, I thought about that and don't think so. <laughs> well, you know, a librarian and lifelong learner, we try to be very thorough. Oh, you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tracy. And again, if you 
all want to reach out to her, just follow her on Twitter or reach out to her email. And also check out WeNeedDiverseBooks.org. Thank you so much, Tracy, for coming on. I'm really going to miss working with you as a colleague, but I'm certainly sure that we'll work together soon in the future. I hope so. I hope so. And if you need to have a storyteller, please look us up. Oh, definitely. (laughs) So don't forget, guys, to check out um, Two Bells Storytellers. And again, thank you for checking out and listening to this episode of the Book Dive podcast. And so please make sure you stay tuned for more episodes.